revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. What's up, everybody? This is the Sporting Edge, and today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash thesportingedge. We've got 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A lot of titles to choose from. Can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with the MLB playoffs, Roz, because it's been super exciting so far. Another team that I picked has gone down in the Cleveland Indians. Add that to my New York Mets World Series pick and also my New York Giants Super Bowl pick. It has not been a good picking season for me, but these playoffs are awfully exciting and the Cubbies are advancing to the NLCS. Absolutely, and I am back from the West Coast, which I left some bad juju for the Dodgers out there while I was in L.A., so hopefully the Cubs are able to advance to the World Series now after a long and strenuous Game 5 it was long, let me tell you. It was, it was over long. four hours of just sweating, nerves flying everywhere. But in Nationals fashion, they lost. And I hope, Very typical Nationals Very fashion. typical Nationals fashion. And I'm hoping, and fingers crossed, I know they, he did a whole signing of another year, but maybe this is a sign for Harper. Maybe he can't get past his Cubs team, so he needs to come join him. Just look at what LeBron did. <laughs> Be the best player in the world and just go over to one more team and win your World Series. But anyways... Awesome game. Not totally sure what Madden was doing in terms of all the pitchers he used. I mean, there was nobody left in the bullpen except for John Lackey. I mean, it, that would have been wild to see if this game had to go to extra innings, if Lackey was about to come in and just pitch in like the rest of the game. I mean, I don't know. It would have been wild. It, there was, it was confusing. There was yeah, a lot going I, on. I, you know what? I love Joe Man. I think he's a great manager, but I don't know if he has the best big game resume. I mean, I think a lot back to the World Series last year. Thought was definitely a bit mismanaged. Um, we came out on top though, so I, I can't can't fault him for that. But even but, his closer was still upset about it afterwards. They had won the World Series, and Chapman still was talking. Yes, I was used incorrectly. Until so he went back to the Yankees. But you know, regardless of the fact, Nationals had a four-one lead. Michael Taylor with the two biggest back-to-back at bats I think I might have ever seen with the home run in Game Four, the grand slam, and then the home run. In Game 5, unbelievable. I mean, that pitch was probably a foot 
on the top of the zone, and he just took that for a ride to left field. 4-1 to lead. Gio Gonzalez looked okay for the first couple innings, and this team just fell apart, particularly fell apart when in the they brought Scherzer inning. in. Right, they did. Your, your ace, supposedly. Your ace. Um, the story of the postseason, I think, so far, besides some great games, you know, a couple big teams, their biggest pitchers are letting them down. You know, I look at Scherzer Thursday night for the Nationals. I look at Chris Sale, who was not good for the Boston Red Sox against the Astros. I look at Corey Kluber, who had might might have been the, the worst back-to-back starts of his career when his team needed it the most. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about this Cubs game because in the fifth inning, a lot of controversy more after the game than during it, you know, with Contreras hitting Matt Wieters in the helmet. It was Baez. But, excuse me, Baez. But, you know, you look at the official rule and, you know, it says... If the backswing hits the catcher's helmet, then it should be called a strike and there's a dead ball. However, I don't care what the official rule says because that ball went straight through Weeder's legs. So regardless of what happened after that... And prior to the bat hitting his helmet. It was it was, it was was under his legs and then it hit him after. So the rule, you know, some people say there's controversy, but in my mind, I don't really give a shit because the ball went straight through his legs and that's how I saw it. I mean, and to be fair, throw the guy out. I mean, Bias stood at home plate right. for an extended time, still made it to first after a bad toss from Weeders. Which he should have held, he should have held on to that ball. I mean, take your loss. You know, Scherzer got the strikeout, but that that ball should not have gotten thrown to first base. And two more runs came two in. Two more runs came in, and that was kind of the start of the end. You know, it did come back and make it nine eight. It was a super exciting game, but this Cubs team. Finds a way, you know, to come back and win with a spectacular... You know what? Everything I've ever said about Steven Strasburg, I don't take it all back, but this guy proved to a lot of people that, you know, I think he is the real deal. Yeah. Came out, two fantastic starts. I mean, in game four was was unhittable. I think that changeup was one of the best pitches in baseball, and the Cubs were not even close to scoring a run off of him. And, you know, he had the controversy. Is he a little sick? Is he not going to start? What's going on? He did his thing. Um, And the Nationals owe a lot of their success that series. I know they didn't win it, but he was the main guy that series for them. Absolutely. And I think it's going to be a great series moving forward for the Cubs. But I think I got a little overzealous last week in terms of picking the Diamondbacks over the Dodgers. Not much of a series. In fact, I didn't even know it was occurring. It was a sweep, and I barely saw him on late or on right. television. I mean, the, you know, there's so many good games going on between, um, you know, the Yankees, Indians. That game two that went 13 innings. The Dodgers sweep kind of just it got swept under the rug. It literally swept and under. It the seems rug. like they haven't played in two weeks, but you know, they dominated the Diamondbacks. Very disappointing effort. I mean, the series obviously it wasn't over in game one, but Justin Turner. Hitting that home run in the first inning, that three-run homer, it was a bad taste in my mouth for the Diamondbacks after that because they never got anything going and just didn't even really have time to really watch them. I mean, because there, there were so many other good games going on. Exactly. But, you know, Dodgers-Cubs, this is... I'm still not willing to say the dot Like, there have been all the reports that, hey, the Dodgers proved that they're still the Dodgers of the regular season, the best team. I don't know. They played a Diamondbacks team that... A little shaky. It's her first time in a while being back in the 
playoffs, and I'm not totally sold. You know what? Kershaw is going to pitch game one. That's going to be what it is, especially since I don't even know who the Cubs can pitch on Saturday since everyone pitched yesterday or today. I mean, it's unbelievable. I think there's going to be a great opportunity for the Cubs here to take the Dodgers out again. We've been here before, and I think in the end it's going to be a six or seven game series again. It's not going to be a cakewalk for the Dodgers. It's not going to be a cakewalk for the Cubs. But at the end of the day, Roz's picks will still reign supreme as I still have the Astros and I still have the Cubs hanging on. I, I really hope they do reign supreme. And you know what? People can say whatever they want about the Dodgers, you know, coming back to form as being the best team in baseball, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, I I think it was kind of undisputed that near the end, the Cleveland Indians were the best team in baseball. And we saw how that worked out against the New York Yankees. Very poorly. But, I mean, the Dodgers have made it, I think, to five or six out of the last 12 NLCS series, um, and they haven't gotten it done. So I, th- I think we are set up for six or seven games here, and I'm really interested to see how Kershaw performs in the NLCS. No, absolutely. And minus the way Strasburg pitched in this series against the Cubs, when the Cubs see an ace back or twice in a series, just look at what they did to Kluber in Game 7 last year, what they did to Kershaw also last year's postseason, and then this year with Scherzer, they really took him to task. I think the Cubs are one of the best teams at adapting and figuring out how to score runs, and they did it again. They won an important Game 5, and now they're moving on. But that's all the time we have this segment, everybody. We'll be back with more MLB playoffs, talking about the AL side of things. This is the Sporting Edge of Liberty Talk.fm and AMFM 24-7. What's up, what's up, everybody? We are back, and of course, we are always better than ever. we got to talk about the AL. So the Indians love clinching scenarios, right? They love being in the position to win the series. And they don't get it done. And they don't get it done. Six in a row they've lost, actually. And that's pretty, that's pretty ridiculous for a franchise. But if you think about it, it's Cleveland. And I know you can say what you want to say. The Cavaliers finally won the NBA Finals. Two years ago, but Cleveland, it's a tough place to be sometimes in the sports world. And, you know, they, they really have nobody to blame but themselves. I mean, <laughs> nobody. Up, up 2-0 um, with a fantastic comeback in Game 2, you know, with Kluber coming out and pitching the way he did for them to come back and win that game in the 13th inning. you got to think, 2-0 lead with the Indians. I don't really care who they're playing. And on top of it all, the Yankees they got to win that series. Yeah. and A young Yankees team. A young Yankees. Yankees, I mean, I, I'm definitely not the first one to say this, but a lot of parallels to this Cubs team a couple of years ago that kind of was a couple of years ahead of schedule. And this Yankees team, you know, with the amount of young bats in that lineup, guys like Didi Gregorius having, having career years, going deep twice off Kluber in Game 5. Um, you know, you've got guys like Aaron Judge who really has not performed all this postseason, but that's why they call it a team game. I mean, they got a bunch of other guys around and picking them up. Starting pitching for the Yankees, they did what they needed to do. You know, with this bullpen at their backing, did a fantastic job. Aralis Chapman, never really been a big fan, but he got the job done in this series. And After we ripped them apart. After we ripped them apart. But the guy I give the most credit to, I think, CeCe Sabathia. What a, a great performance in Game 5. When you look at the line, you know, I think it was four and two thirds, you know, two runs, something like that. It's not you wouldn't you wouldn't wake up, read the newspaper and say, Wow, this guy pitched great, but he really did a fantastic job. And you think about a guy who coming out of the draft, you know, was throwing in the high nineties, 
just a big power lefty. Really had to switch up his game the past few years because he doesn't he doesn't throw 96, 97 anymore. He throws you know 91, 92 maybe, but he's done a great job adjusting his game. He's got a pretty damn good slider that he uses a lot, and that's what you that's what you love about a guy coming out who is definitely past his prime. No longer the CC of old who has won the Cy Young with the Milwaukee Brewers, but he did a great job. He did what he needed to do, handed the ball to this bullpen, and guys like David Robertson, Tommy Canely, Araldis Chapman, they got it done. And this Yankees team, although I didn't pick them, they're awfully exciting. I think it sets up for a, a very nice matchup with the Astros, who, you know, at the Red Sox, the Red Sox are a disappointment. It was a disappointing series. We'll disappointing be, series. We'll be honest about that. Two years in a row, just very poor. Well, that's why Farrell's gone now. He will not be returning. Very in poor efforts in the first round. I think the Farrell firing. Some people think a little questionable. I mean, you look at the guys had a lot of success. You know, in the five years at the helm at Boston. I mean, he did win a World Series, won back-to-back division titles. Some people are saying is because he couldn't get out of the first round. Some people are saying didn't get along with the management and the players. You know what? Now it's a moot point. The Boston Red Sox will find somebody else. But a disappointing series for them. You know, the lack of starting pitching, I think, really showed when their best starting pitcher didn't get it done. I mean, Chris Sale. It was his first time in the postseason. We could not have said that enough leading up to the point, though. Right. And I I thought it was not a big deal. I thought Chris Sale would come out and pitch like he had all year. But he was bad. He was bad. Game one, I mean, the first inning, was he was throwing up. I don't want to. He was I hanging out. Swear, but just, he was hanging out with David Price a little too much. I seriously, I mean, David Price was rubbing off on all of them, but Chris Sale, I mean, giving up. I think it was three or four home runs in that in that game one, and then came out of the bullpen um, in game four. This was not a not a good series for the Boston Red Sox. But was it a good series though for the Astros? I mean, their hitters came uh, yes, to play. I think Correa, Springer, Altuve in game one. I mean, their hitting was there. Their hitting provided them the opportunity to win this series and win it the way they did. I mean, it's an exciting bunch, and I think this sets up what's going to be a fun offensive series against the Yankees. And that brings up the Yankees' most powerful offensive weapon, who can no longer hide. Did not have a great NLDS. Aaron Judge is going to be have to be a focal point in the ALCS. He's going to have to show up. He's going to have to hit the big hits, hit some home runs here and there, it's time. And I, and again, it's the young players that we're talking about for this Yankees team. They're very young. Sanchez, Hicks, all these guys, they got to show up in this series. And it's going to be a tough one against this Astros team. Yeah, it's going to be really tough. And Aaron Judge, I think the Cleveland Indians really showed, you know, Aaron Judge has some weaknesses in his swing. And they were able to exploit that. But, you know, like I was saying before, a lot of other guys came to pick him up. And my favorite at bat of the postseason so far was Brett Gardner. Oh, um, great. In the eighth inning against Cody Allen. I think it was a, a 12 or 13 pitch at bat. The guy was just totally locked in. Um, Allen could not get anything by him, and he comes up with an enormous base hit. And the Yankee, I mean, um, the Indians, you know, they throw the ball around. Now it's 5-2 to two going into the ninth, and that's when I really felt this game is over. I mean, you go to the ninth down one, you got a shot. But the way they ended that eighth inning, it was... You know, it was disappointing because I, I thought the Indians had a shot. I would l- I would have loved to have seen a rematch between the Indians and the Cubs because I do think the Indians are still the best team in baseball. I know they're out, but a lot of credit to the Yankees and two really great 
starting pitching matchups in Game 1 and Game 2 of the ALCS. Uh, you know, I know Game 1's already happened, but we're here, always here on Friday mornings. We've got Dallas Keuchel versus Masahiro Tanaka in Game 1, Justin Verlander versus Luis Severino in Game 2. And yeah, I'll tell you what, Tanaka, when his stuff is on, that splitter is also one of the best pitches in baseball. And it'll be interesting to see how this Astros team can adjust to that. Yeah, but when he's off. When he's off. It's, it's off. It's off. I mean, I might might as well be pitching. Right. Let's be and honest. You know what? I can say the same thing about Dallas Keuchel, though. Another guy who is much more of a finesse pitcher that gets a bunch of swings and misses out of the zone. That's what makes him so good. The arms, the consistency of the arm slot and the great changeup that he has. I mean, he gets a lot of guys to swing at pitches that aren't strikes. And he's got to be on his game, too. Because, I mean, this Yankees team, has, they have just so, so many weapons. And a lot of guys, you know, a lot of guys who are past their prime as well. you got Brett Gardner, you got Jacoby Ellsbury, Chase, Chase Headley. Um, but they've got a lot of guys who can swing the bat. And I love this series. I really like the Game 2 matchup a little more. you got Verlander versus Severino. Severino... After that first game in the wild card game, you're like, is yeah, this guy going to come back this postseason if they need him? Because that was atrocious. about the worst outing you could have had. Came back, fantastic job pitching in the ALDS, and you know this this is interesting. Who are you taking in the series? You have no you have no dog left in the fight, right? You have no fu- you can pick anybody now, right? You get third chances here on the Sporting Edge, which doesn't happen very often. <laughs> you get a third chance. You know what? I'm gonna have to go with the underdog. You know, the Yankees, I think, are on a roll. And, you know, the Astros are a great team. And I think the addition of Justin Verlander really put them over the edge. You know, I I bitched about it all year about how they didn't have the starting pitching and they went out and got one of the premier starting pitchers in the game. But for me, you know, sports, they're a game of momentum. And I think the Yankees have a lot of it right now. Um, especially with how that Game 5 went. And I, you know, I think they're going to pull it off. I, I do think this, this will be a great series, though. I'm hoping seven games. I mean, we're getting to the point now. Nothing better in sports than a seven-game series. It'd be it's fantastic. Seven unbelievable games. That's what I'm hoping for. And my Maybe eyes, a walk-off. Just yeah. extend it as long as you can. My eyes are on who I think should win the MVP in the AL is Jose Altuve. A fantastic ALDS you know, this guy at 5'6", 170 pounds is doing some things at the plate in the field that is just blows your mind every time he steps on it. Absolutely. And then, of course, give us, are you going Cubs? Are you going to stick with your hometown team? Or I got to think- stick with the Cubs. Okay. You know, All right. I got to do it. This is exciting. Again, you still don't have the Mets. They're out, Xander, in case you <laughs> forgot. Just wanted to make sure. The Mets, are, they might be out for next year. Too. They might be. Their record was so bad this year, they're not even qualifying for next season. I wish we could do that. I wish there was a relegation stage where they could be relegated down to a lower level. But I'm obviously going to go with my two picks. i got to find my little clip and my sound bite so I can play it for everybody and everybody can know that I am the uh, the oracle. I am the one who is figuring this all out. I'm going Cubs, Astros. I think they're both going to be tremendous series. And like you said, why not get two Game 7s? I mean, that would be... Amazing for the sport. Baseball has been so fun. And if you aren't the biggest baseball fan, tune in because these games have been exciting, especially the Cubs in Game 5. A lot of runs, a lot of mishaps, a lot of errors, a lot of good stuff. That's all the time we have this segment, everybody. We are the Sporting Edge at LibertyTalk.fm. We'll be back right after the break. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. 
the long-awaited Bubba Report, bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Chalady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to thebubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at bubba at thebubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at bubba at thebubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back here at the Sporting Edge, and we need uh, we need to shift things up. It's been a rough couple of weeks in terms of our picks. Now, let it be known that I am still in the green in the NFL, but I did go 0-2 last week. I'll get into that in a second. So, we're going to start with our NFL review, preview, and picks today. And we'll finish off with the college football one. Anyways. Fight on Cincinnati Bengals. They're coming. <laughs> in, in a division that is not coming. And in a division that is so limp that, that they might not, they don't deserve a dog in this race, especially in the postseason. And we can be mad. We have the right to be mad. We were in a great Survivor League pool with a lot of money on the line. With a tough week, we were like, okay, you've just got to go with the matchup that's offering you the most points. All right. Unbelievable that the Jaguars came in and pooped, literal pooped, on the Steelers. It was brutal. It was the most ugly game, especially because Red Zone's such a fun channel to watch. And you, when you see the, the teams coming up on the board next, you're like, touchdown scored or some big play scored. This was a this this week was a preview of the pick six. It was a preview of the pick six. It was showing you how to intercept. A quarterback and Ben Roethlisberger threw five of those in this game, and two of them returned for touchdowns. So, at any point, even after the first one, when you're like, you know what, is this the Jaguars? It is Big Ben? There's so many weapons. Let me key in on how many weapons there are in Pittsburgh. You still thought you had a chance. Next highlight you get on red zone, you're seeing the ball go the other direction. It was it was so disappointing because Big Ben has thrown his fair share of interceptions, but comes out and has the worst game of his career. Really wasn't even close the entire time. And 24-10 in the fourth quarter, it kind of felt like a few weeks ago we both had the Patriots, and we're just thinking there's no way that Tom Brady is dropping this game into Sean Watson in no. his first start. There's no way. And he came back, won the game on the final drive, but Ben Roethlisberger throws another pick six, and this game was like it was like thirty to nine, whatever it was. I was like, "That's it, we're done." You know, we knew this was going to be a tough week, but we took the chalk pick in the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were the biggest favorite on the board, and they they screwed us. They screwed us. I'm going to say the word "screwed" is the right word here. Yeah, the Jaguars are three and two, but not a real three and two. Can we put that out there? And the oh. same and the same goes for the Jets. They're not a real three and two. They, these are two atrocious teams that I would be ecstatic to see on the Packers' schedule because I know that they'd go in and get the job done. And this is ridiculous. It starts with Baltimore, and now it's the Steelers who can't get past this Jaguars team, and that's why I'm saying the AFC North is one of the most atrocious divisions in football right now. And I don't care that the Bengals, you know what, I'll let you have your fun. I mean, it's only I'm going to rub salt in the wound with the Tyler Eifert done for the year again. But the AFC True. North is disgusting. 
The Steelers are three and two. The Ravens are three and two. But those are also gross three and twos. There's not a good three and two team in the league, and definitely not in the AFC right now. I think, arguably, I can go. Hey, the Bills, a nice start, tough loss. I did pick the Bills last week against the Bengals. So it was a good matchup right there. I think both of those teams needed that win. Bengals were the ones that came out with it to get to a two and three record. The Texans are two and three, and I think they're the best team in that division right now. I think that the Jaguars are going to fall off. I don't know what's going on with Andrew Luck. He's still somewhere. He's still on some injury report. He's everywhere except on the field. He's everywhere but on the field, and there's no timetable for his return. I don't like that. Come out and be honest. Be honest with me. I'm not. They haven't been honest before the season. I mean, I. Before the draft, it was like, he might miss week one, and here we are. He maybe missed week one. Like, he was going to play. Right. And and now, it's just, it's a total cluster, you know what. Um, But I have to say, you know, I was ragging our survivor pool. Half the people picked the Steelers, half picked the Eagles. And I was ragging on the people who picked the Eagles. You know, I was thinking, they're they're a decent team, but Carson Palmer and this Cardinals team can still come out and beat them. Especially since they need to win. Wow, was I wrong. The Eagles came out, played a fantastic game, and they played great on Thursday night, too. They're now 5-1. Right. The Eagles team, they're a team, I think. They're a team? Is Carson Wentz here? I think he's here. Sophomore season, which could usually be a slump, and he's really... He's been good. He's gotten better. He's doing some great things. I like that win against the Panthers, too, on Thursday. Another good team in the NFC. I think, you know, before this week, I was thinking Eagles, Panthers. I mean, how many other teams in the league have been consistent? I mean, the Chiefs. The Packers. And the Packers. You take those four teams, everybody else has, you know, been so on and off. It's really hard to tell in this league. You know what's really going on, and the Cardinals come out and just—it was atrocious. But the they do trade for AP. They do. Any thoughts on that? Uh, AP. It's interesting. So they just cut Chris Johnson as well. So it seems like the AP era of Arizona is going to be a lot better than that of New Orleans. That does it not seem, be any work. I mean, the guy just wasn't on the field, just, and Sean Payton wouldn't put him there. So I don't know what the whole issue was there. It does, this is not going to change Arizona's record or no. their team going forward. Just a difference in run game. Their line is so bad. Right. And that's that, why that question, you know, Adrian Peterson will get more touches than he did in New Orleans, but is it going to make that much of a difference? Because Bruce Arians has come out and said that, you know, he will not really be playing on third down. And, you know, with the, how bad this offensive line is and, and how bad matter, this defense then. is, it might not matter much. If you're getting two yards of carry on first and right. maybe even second down. But real quickly, back to the Eagles who beat them. Eagles 5-1 and one in a division that is not very good. And that's to say that it was one of the best divisions last year. We got the Cowboys who are 2-3, and three, who now lose Elliott for six weeks. That is done. Roger Goodell, you finally won an argument. It's like the kids at the playground when you're fighting. It. You reset. There's a little interruption when recess ends. And you have to go back in the classroom. Finally got the upper hand on his last recess. It's done. Elliott's done for six weeks. Right. And I think... That is a big blow because now it's all on Prescott. I don't. Alfred Morris is here for a reason. He couldn't start somewhere. Darren McFadden's here for a reason. He was a bust in the draft. I don't think there's going to be enough for this Dallas team to win enough games to be in contention at the end of the season, especially with the Eagles being five and one right now and running away with it because the next closest team is the two and two Washington Redskins. Right. I mean, who's up and down as well? Right. The Redskins are very up and down. I mean, they can come out one week and look like the best team in the NFL and come out the next week and just look the exact opposite. But I agree with you. The Eagles, I think right now in the NFL, they're the, they're the team to beat. I mean, you could say the Chiefs. 
But, I, but let me tell you, I would like my Packers playing the Eagles. I would feel very comfortable Packers I mean, versus Eagles. There's really no reason to not feel comfortable when you have the best quarterback in the league by far. I okay. mean, Aaron Rodgers, what he did last week versus Dallas on that final drive. I was listening on the radio. I was going to pick up dinner, and he could just tell the announcers were saying, the Dallas Cowboys might not want to score too fast. And I've never been a fan of that mode of thinking. It's just like, end of the game, you're down, you score. If you can score, you score. And no, they absolutely. were saying, this guy is the best in the business at what he does. And I'm listening him to him drive down the field, throws another touchdown to Devontae Adams. I mean, Aaron Rodgers does some things not even physically, but mentally, the way he controls the game that some other quarterback couldn't even dream of doing. And that's why, I mean, the Packers are always going to have a shot with Aaron Rodgers. I don't care who else is around him because he is that good. But You, you know, know how I feel about that. I know you, how you feel you about know, it's, that. You know, it makes my Sundays way more glorious. And they play, conveniently, our, our pick this week is we're both taking the Packers minus three. We're hoping our luck changes around. But they play the Vikings. And I think this division is pretty good this year. The AFC North may suck, but the NFC North is legit. I think I like Matt Stafford. I don't care what anybody else says about Matt Stafford. I think he's a good enough quarterback to win games and bring you to the playoffs. Right. Is it the next level? It's tough. When you lose a guy like Calvin Johnson, you lose pieces and stuff. The Detroit team just never came together in the right fashion. But they are 3-2 and two as well as this Vikings team who can't figure out the whole quarterback. Sam Bradford can't stay on the field. Teddy Bridgewater is coming back. Case Keenum showing us greatness in a game and then showing us why he's one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen. It's going to be confusing, but they do go into Minnesota this week. I like it. I think the Packers win this game. It's their first or second division game. They beat on the Bears. It was a good win there as well. And I think they need to prove that they can beat the Vikings because the Vikings have been a team taking games away from the Packers in recent years. And, you know, obviously I'm not a big fan of Case Keenum. I mean, there's a reason he's a backup in this league. But the Minnesota defense... To me, is one of the more underrated defenses. Underrated, in pro football. they're scary. They're scary, and one of the main reasons I think they're scary is they've been together as a unit for a very long time. I mean, I wouldn't call them old, but seasoned as a defense, and you know they've really shown it this year that you can you can stay in games no matter who's playing on the offensive side of the ball. You can stay in games with a solid defense, and that's why you know I think this game is going to be somewhat close. I, I'm I'm thinking like a twenty four. To 17. Pretty good game. 24 20. Right. Still but, covers know, the spread. I, I do like Green Bay minus three. You know, I, I just, I think Aaron Rodgers is too good against any defense in the league. And I like Green Bay minus three. I'm also going back to my St. Louis Rams plus two and a half on the road versus the Jaguars because I think the Rams are for real. Jared Goff had a rough week last week against the Seahawks. But this Rams team, I think, is another Yeah, but they didn't lose terribly. So I like that pick as well. I'm not going with you. Atlanta coming off of a bye at home against the worst offense I've ever seen in sports, the Miami Dolphins. It's a lot of points, but Roz here is taking Atlanta minus 13. I'm telling you, I think it's a lock. I think they win this game by 40. But that's you got the best offense, arguably, in the league versus the worst. That's all the time we have this segment, everybody. This is Sporting Edge at LibertyTalk.fm. We'll be back with our college football, and hopefully it'll be better than last week. What's up, what's up, everybody? We are back, and we're ready to talk some college football, an area where I have definitely begun to struggle. It is a uh, very big fall-off in terms of how my picks have been doing, but it's okay. We're cutting the number of picks we're presenting this week to two. Less chances for Less speak. chances for failure, but let's start before we get into our picks. We're going to talk about the top 25 and where it is now. Alabama-Clemson, season ended today. 
I'd be okay with that. I, I would, would like be to too. I would like to see them play. They just seem heads and heels above everybody else. Yeah, Alabama, I think like you just said, while we were on the break, we haven't had a spread under 26. They've not had a spread under 26 in the last three weeks, and they're and they're okay with that. They are covering I mean, the spread. Been, they've been beating teams down. Clemson also playing fantastic this year. I mean, a lot of question marks going in whether or not Kelly Bryant would be a guy who could lead this team to another championship. I mean, I don't think anybody questioned that defense, but they both come to play this year, and I think they're easily the top two teams in college football. We round out the top five with a Penn State team who is playing well this year. I mean, they've got a Heisman candidate in Saquon Barkley. They won a tough, tough game at Iowa, which, say what you want about Iowa, not an easy place to play. I don't care who you are. They won on a last-second touchdown throw by Trace McSorley. But I got a question about this Penn State team that I've brought up a couple times. So they're on bye this week, and they finally go through their gauntlet after the bye. It's a gauntlet. It is a gauntlet. They got Michigan at Ohio State at Michigan State. That's going to be te- I will be very comfortable. If Penn State comes out unscathed after that gauntlet, I'll be a little more comfortable being like, this is a team that should be a playoff team. But the question I always have is, and we've seen it with Oklahoma, we just saw it with Michigan, is when a defense buckles down and you don't have the co- confidence in your offense to know what to do, well, is that going to happen with Penn State? Like, Can you imagine Michigan going up against an Alabama or Clemson right now? That would have been 10 times worse than their loss to Michigan State this past week. And I wonder, is Penn State the same way? Although Saquon Barkley, I think, is good enough. I think that's a huge offensive piece that Michigan doesn't have, that Ohio State doesn't have. I mean, Ohio State's running back. He's a freshman. He's young. He'll figure it out. He'll be a top player. But there isn't an offensive piece on that team, on either of those teams, good enough to compete at the top with an Alabama or a Clemson. So that's where I get a little worried about. Penn State, but like I said, I'd be more comfortable if they come out of the gauntlet because they're going up against good defenses there. Right. I mean, this is going to be a tough stretch for Penn State. I do think they're the best team out of all three of those teams that you mentioned. And one of the teams, Michigan, what a freaking disappointment against Michigan State. Falling to 17 in the polls. Falling to 17, but just, I don't care about the spread. How how do you not come away with this win? It was disappointing. I mean, 14-10, Michigan State... I give them a lot of credit. They came to play, played fantastic defense. John O'Corn getting his first start. Thought it was going to be a lot better. I know it was wet. It was rainy out there. It was tough. But this Michigan team, I mean, it was come on, man. You know, it is a come on, I, man. We've been preaching Michigan since day one, and they've looked pretty good. We've been a weird year. preaching system, though. We were not. We preached Michigan, but we talked about their offense being. We were skeptical of it the entire time. And I thought, you know, Wilton Spate getting hurt, John O'Corn coming in might have been, you know, the catalyst that could have, you know, kind of revitalized this Michigan offense. But disappointment is all I have to say about that Michigan State game. I mean, they were 10.5 point favorite. And, you know, what? come away with the win. Tough conditions, tough game. But Michigan, disappointment. Georgia, on the other hand. My Georgia Bulldogs. I, You know what? I've never been a fan of Georgia. I'm dubbing them mine, by the way. I, <laughs> they can be yours. They have, in the past, disappointed at every big stage of every season, I think, for the past five or six years. But from what I've seen so far, they've got it done. They've beaten down almost every team that they play. The Alabama Complex. They're beating the teams they're supposed to beat and beating them good. And again, big stages will come. And in fact, they're coming soon. Games against Auburn, Alabama, 
I mean, it'll be a real test. And I think Georgia's a team right now that if they finish their regular season with one loss, I still think they should be a playoff team. I don't think any losses in the near future, whether it's to Alabama, Auburn, I think if they just beat a handful of those teams, they're still a playoff caliber team. They're blowing teams out. I really like Georgia. But, like again, they got to go through, just like Penn State, they got to go through a gauntlet. they got to take out big teams in order to for me to feel comfortable with moving them forward in the college playoff race. Right, and we've got eight undefeateds right now in the top eight. You know, after Georgia, we got Washington, who is also 6-0, which I haven't seen play this year because they don't play before 9 o'clock on Saturday. And, and it's Washington. I, I, right. You Jake know Browning, is, he's not even there anymore. Maybe he's there. Who knows? I don't even know what's going on up in the Pacific but, Northwest. Well, we'll keep them on the back burner right now because they are in the top five. They're simmering. They're simmering. They could get hot. Um, we've got TCU at six. Which and is, Kenny Hill, revitalizing a career here in right. TCU. Shut yeah. me up with the whole Oklahoma State game. He and did. They, and, and they I keep am, winning. As we come to TCU, that is my first pick of the week. I as got well as them. mine. We're both minus six on TCU. Minus six against Kansas State. TCU is on the road, and Kansas State also a tough place to play. But I think Kenny Hill comes out and has another big game. And I think TCU wins pretty handily here. But... Kansas State does worry me. I mean, they they are a team that has knocked off some big teams. They're kind of like the, the Iowa of the Big Twelve, secretly right. waiting for you to come. Bill in. Snyder has been there since I think nineteen forty two. Yeah, um, the guy's almost eighty years old. You got to love it. You know, he's probably the oldest coach in college football. He's been doing it for a long time. I do like TCU here, but for you, the listeners of the Sporting Edge. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I'd recommend a bunch of books here on tape. There's too many to choose from, but The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien, Divergent by Ronica Roth. I mean, there, I think there, there's so many titles to choose from. And if you want to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash the sporting edge. Again, that is audibletrial.com slash the sporting edge for your free audiobook and Roz. We look at the rest of the top, the top ten. Tell them got, what you feel about Wisconsin because I know that's coming. I hate, I hate Wisconsin, and that is why I'm taking Purdue plus seventeen on the road. Purdue might win this game; they might not, but I do like the seventeen points. Wisconsin is a team to me that's going to fall off, just like the Washington Nationals, just like the L.A. Dodgers will against the Cubs, just like Georgia does every year. They're a team that's going to fall, and that's all I have to say about Wisconsin. That's yeah, but how? Know. Cookie cutter, cupcakey is their walk to potentially the playoffs. Oh they play it's the worst the teams. Schedules. Thank God for a Big Ten championship game. Thank God because right. that would be the game where they get their asses handed them, right, figuratively and literally. But <laughs> I like the team behind them, and you I didn't did like them last week. But I, I think what's important in football at any level, whichever way you swing it, I mean, look at how Deshaun Watson's playing this year. For the Texans. It showed that Deshaun Watson was a legit quarterback in college football. I think Falk's the same way for Washington State. I think he's legit, and I think this makes them a playoff contender right now until the end of the season. Yeah, Luke Falk has had an unbelievable year, and I thought that Oregon was going to come out to play last week. At home, very tough place to play. Washington State just dominated. Came in there. Woo! They just beat down Oregon. I mean, it wasn't even close from the first quarter on. Washington State is a team to look out for. We look at number nine, Ohio State. 
I think my feelings are pretty well known on them. I think they're garbage. I think JT Barrett is getting worse still every game. And we've got Auburn at number 10 is 5-1. and one. Not a big fan of that team, but they do have a big matchup with LSU this week. On the road. I'm not so, upset with Auburn. I'm not upset I, I like them. Auburn more than I like Ohio State, essentially. I, do I like the SEC more than I like the Big Ten again this year. And right. I thought the Big Ten was going to have one of their better years. Now, quickly, i got to get off my last pick. I'm taking West Virginia minus four. I know that's a game just kind of out there in the blue. But West Virginia at home, I like the home team with a spread that's relatively close. I'm going to roll with West Virginia here. The Big Ten's got to pick it up, I guess, in my last message. Because we're coming close to the end. My here. last message is Oklahoma sucks. We did not get to Oklahoma. Unacceptable loss with a quarterback who has not started a game in college football in Iowa State. Garbage. Oklahoma had a huge chance to make a run here. Garbage. I would say Oklahoma's chances are very minimal now. They do have a Big 12 championship, I believe, now, so that can help the voters a little bit. But that's all the time we have this week, everybody. You know our stance on college football. We gave you four picks throughout the show. Follow them. Try to make some money like we are. We'll be back next week with more baseball, more football, and it's been jolly having you here. We are the Sporting Edge at LibertyTalk.fm and AMFM 24-7. Have a great weekend, everybody. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.